Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. It is another episode of season eight. This episode is called You Will Be Found, and it is featuring the wonderful, talented, uh, former NBA dancer, NFL cheerleader, Jen Padilla. She started her own podcast called Life Unfiltered, and I was really excited. Uh, Someone had actually tagged her in my post where I wanted to hear from you guys who you wanted to um, have some interviews with this season, and I'm super excited to share this week's episode with you guys. Um, thank you for joining. I'm now logged in here on YouTube. Sorry about all the technical difficulties last week. I think I got it together. I have crossed over to the dark side with an iPhone, and I was all out of sorts last week, but here I am and getting it together. How's everybody doing? You know, things are going all right. I know auditions are underway for a lot of teams. And it's getting exciting. I know there's a few that are waiting until June, it looks like. And, you know, we'll just keep reporting on it week to week. But I know there's a couple auditions coming up this weekend. Uh, The Rams um, are one that comes to mind. I know the Titans had some stuff going on last weekend. I've just been waiting for the formal announcement of the team. But yeah, there's quite a few that are either wrapping up like the registration period Um, in the next few weeks. Uh, The Seahawks are one of them. I think Ravens is underway, the Bengals, DCC, Dolphins, the Roar. So things are popping off. And obviously, I'm going to be responding because I'm paying attention today, you guys. Okay, somebody asked what's going on with Charger Girls. And I do not know. I'm assuming nothing just like last season. I mean, from what I understand, they just completely left the cheerleaders hanging. They unfortunately missed out on timing to audition for other teams because they were waiting to hear about what the team was going to do. And it was really kind of messed up that they missed out on that opportunity. They've made no public announcement whatsoever of what's going on with the team. So it's really unfortunate. Like, how do you just disappear? Like, ridiculous. It's it's unfortunate. It'd be nice for them to make a comeback. I mean, I almost like thought about like with the Rams and this new stadium, if it's too much to accommodate two different cheerleading teams. Like, I don't know. These are conspiracy theories. You guys, I have nothing to put it on. But it's not cool just to like completely disappear. And you guys know I'm like the vault. If you have the deets and you want to share it, just, I don't know, for the record. I mean, I'm happy to hear about what happened. And even in terms of who to reach out to. I need to start acting like the media and be like, I'd like to uh, inquire about such and such and see what happens. They're going to hang up on me, but whatever. It's just, I don't like that you can just disappear and there's just no kind of communication, nothing. I don't know. I just feel really bad for the girls that were part of that team. So we'll see what's going on with that. I'll give you kind of a little overview of what I want to talk about today. I mean, it definitely is about auditions. A few teams have posted their squads and, you know, it's just kind of bringing up questions of diversity and representation in our space. And I encourage you guys to go back and listen to the I Am Every Woman episode from, I don't know, season two, season three, maybe. 
I can't remember anymore. <laughs> but it was a very good episode and you guys all participated. I won't say you all participated, but you had the opportunity to participate in um, the first ever diversity survey that I tried to conduct for this space where you guys had the chance to self-identify because, you know, I'm going off of rosters. I'm looking at bios. I did as much research as I could. Um, you guys probably are very familiar with Black Girls Cheer, and that was a way to also collaborate. I actually interviewed the curator of that site also for the episode, Takoya. And so it was just a really, really good conversation. And that was in 2019. So it's probably, I think, good timing to reconsider opening that up. And that would obviously involve some participation from you guys. I think there's going to be a lot of that this season of getting some feedback from you guys, getting some information to validate certain things. But We'll get into that a little bit more. I don't want to like have a whole nother diversity episode, but I do have some thoughts um, based on the Denver Broncos cheerleaders um, and their pictures of the squad that they selected. Now, mind you, everybody has masks on and I'm not even going to try to do the math of who's who and what's what. But I was not the only person who noticed that it was not a very diverse looking squad out of 26 women. And I believe 40, I don't remember the number of finalists, but let's just say I was disappointed. I wasn't the only one who was disappointed, so we're just going to talk about it. But let me start with first, and I'm going to really try to pay attention to comments, you guys. So if I look like I'm just looking everywhere, it's just because I'm trying to monitor YouTube. Hi, everybody there. And I'm trying to like respond as you guys go as well. So the Colts had their cheerleading showcase, their final audition showcase yesterday. I watched it live and I was trying my best to live tweet. It's kind of freaking hilarious. And let me just say congratulations to all of the women who made the team. There were select 26 selected out of 46, I believe. So super talented group of women. Um, let me just say they must have been on a tight behind like ship because that audition flew by. Okay, they were like, I mean, it was very efficient and, and wonderfully run, but it was so hard to take in each performance. So they had a group opening number and it was great. Um, everybody on stage coming on and off, you know, all of that jazz. And then they had like broken up into groups where they did a group number together and then it went right into the solos. Yeah, squads are getting smaller. Somebody said that 26 is not a lot of people, you guys, especially on a field. It's small. I don't really like that. And why not like an even number for like four corners of a field too? I just don't, I never understood that. It should be 28, but whatever. Um, but yes, they broke them up into groups and they went right into their solos right after that. And so the one thing I struggled with was just they had their numbers on them during the group number, but then the numbers came off during their solos. And so, you know, they showed the intro video where they introduce themselves, they get out there, they do their solo, they get off. And like, I just lost track. I wanted to track my favorite so much, but I... I got lost. I wish they kept their numbers on. It would have been helpful. Um, but it was really cool to watch. I enjoyed the performances. I think the Colts seem to be shifting their style, I would say, over the last few years. And obviously having like this high technique and all of that, I think is becoming something that we're seeing more and more of. But they looked great. I mean, it definitely looks more like palm squatty to me, but they looked great out there. So congratulations. Hopefully I'll be able to do the same thing with all the rest of the audition showcases that come up. So I'll just register for them. I love when they do it online and virtual so that other people can get into it. But they did have a live audience, which is, again, one more indication that we're getting closer to cheering and dancing for somebody in particular, which is what we all want. 
So yeah, I'm all about auditions at the moment. I'm paying attention to the rosters. I'm excited for everybody who's auditioning. I'm wishing you the best of luck. I love when you write in and let me know that you're auditioning. I can put out some good positive energy for you. Um, let me know how things go. If you want to vent about the auditions, I'm here. Like we're all one big happy freaking family. So I'm going to take a sip of rosé really quick. And then we're going to get into, you know, this mini talk many talk about diversity and inclusion. Let's just get into it, right? So Denver Broncos, 26 is not a lot. And looking at the roster of women, again, with their masks on, we'll, we'll find out more, right? But the numbers were disappointing. Go ahead and look at it yourself. You tell me your impression of what you saw. But I think diversity and representation obviously is very, very important in our space. And the main reason that I wanted to kind of talk about Denver was because they also, in the first inaugural survey that we did on diversity, Denver scored pretty low in the survey that we initially did. So, you know, when you have that kind of like a trend or at least it makes you wonder things like, well, what are the demographics of Denver? You know, what does the turnout look like in terms of finalists, in terms of talent and all of those things? Somebody mentioned that Lily from DCC made the Broncos and that was super exciting. Lots of comments for her on the page and then oh my gosh did you guys see the video where some of her teammates or former teammates from DCC greeted her at the airport and just like you guys are so freaking cute that was really sweet um so yes again congratulations to everybody that made it we're talking about Broncos and just maybe things that might explain the lack of diversity and representation on their squad right in terms of race and let's just start with kind of like the demographics, because I know that when I had the pleasure of interviewing Michelle, who's the director of entertainment teams for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, we talked about diversity in her episode, in her interview. And she mentioned in the Portland area, the turnout really isn't what she would like to see in terms of a diverse talent. And it, she thought it was a little bit reflective of Portland as a city. And so, you know, we all did the census in 2020, and I just wanted to kind of look at Denver a little bit. You guys know I like to do a little bit of research, and they have all these categories, right, in terms of racial demographics. But based on what I see here, there's obviously Denver the city and Denver the county. And in terms of the numbers, you know, the for the city, there's 76% white, right? 9.2% black, 3.7% Asian, 29.9% Hispanic or Latino, less than 1% for American Indian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders. So when I kind of was trying to do the math with 26 people and just seeing like, is this representative of the demographics of the city? You know, we are talking about 19 to 20 out of those 26 cheerleaders being white and, you know, two, maybe up to seven Hispanics or something along those lines. But really the numbers do kind of lend to this picture of like, it is predominantly white. And so it's not a big shock maybe that the squad is not as diverse. But, you know, as I was thinking about that, you know, we're in a space of virtual auditions, right? So people are auditioning from all over the country. People are, you know, working remotely, willing to move, relocate. And so I'd like to think that the pool of talent for auditions is probably a lot broader than just the local city and surrounding areas, right? So I don't know how much that logic is going to hold as we move forward in this space and we continue with virtual auditions. I think you probably would get a very, like a much larger group of people who are auditioning for your team. And again, I would like to think that the talent would be more diverse as well. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that because 
that's probably not going to be, I'm not saying that they're offering it as an excuse, but just as you're trying to think about like who's showing up and why are we only picking this number of candidates? And I, I really tried hard not to go hard on the numbers here because um, in looking at the finalists that they posted and just, it looked like they had some more options. I'll just say that. And what they ended up with was just not reflective of that. I mean, having one of the African-American cheerleaders um, that was on the team last year, I know there were two last year, I believe, and then now there's two again, but the veteran was cut. Um, They have a new rookie. It just doesn't seem like, I don't know, how much effort's really placed in trying to think of that as you're building your team. I mean, there's, I think we raised these topics in that episode in terms of like, who's your judging panel? What are they looking for? Um, and really just like a introspective, like self-check as a director or leader of like, what am I really eyeing in terms of talent and how am I really viewing diversity? Like, let's be real. Is it based on hair color? For real. I've heard people writing in stating that that's how a lot of directors view things. It's like, I want like an even number of blondes and brunettes. And that's kind of the color that they see and not actual true diversity. Um, someone said diversity should be a priority when selecting a team. It's a reflection of the entire organization. And someone said, what does the judges panel look like? And these are just very, very valid questions and points. Because if you don't have a diverse judging panel, if you're not giving them even a vision of what you're looking for for your team, I think it starts there. Do you have like a standard of beauty in your mind that's only like pretty much one shape, one size, one color, one race, like what are you really thinking of as a squad that represents your entire organization out in the community, on the field with the players, like what kind of squad are you envisioning as a director building? And then you're communicating that obviously to your judging panel, you're telling them what to look for. And so there's got to be a clear vision of what it is that you want as your product, if you will, on the field. I know I told you guys I'd be all over the place, but somebody said, you know, disappointed with the Broncos per the number of finalists. If there was a black director, would the team be more diverse? We're going to get to that question. I think that's a really great question. So you guys, based on my view, like I'm looking at everything like NFL, NBA, trying to keep my eyes on semi-pro as much as I can. And I will say just based on my observation to that point, when there are diverse directors they tend to have a more diverse squad i think of teams like the atlanta falcons i think of the atlanta hawks i think of uh there's just i mean i think of michelle in portland i think of sabrina in golden state the brooklyn nets director and i've interviewed these people so you can listen back to the episodes and hear them talk about how they view um, diversity on their teams and what they're looking for and how they go about evaluating talent. And I think it's just, you have to have that as a goal in mind. And it has to be something that rings true, I think, for the organization as a whole. And the reason that I wanna talk and be a little tough on the Broncos is because from last summer and just looking at how a lot of the teams reacted to uh, the, the social justice protests and everything that was going on. There were some issues that came to light that people felt comfortable confiding in me about and just high level. There were issues, I think, on the squad that some of the squad members felt a little uncomfortable with. And this is just in terms of like how that whole situation with, you know, social media um, around that time of BLM and just the movement that was going on and the team's lack of a response to some of the issues that were raised. 
And to my understanding, you know, when you are in that position where you're on a team and we don't want to like go all the way back to 2020 and relive this crap all over again. But what I'm struck by is just the response that these women seem to receive from the organization, from the leadership of the Denver Broncos, which to me indicated that there is not really a commitment or priority to address those concerns. And when you try to kind of go up the leadership chain, raising these kind of concerns, and you guys are doing an excellent job exercising your voice, like finding a way to speak your truth and, and challenge certain things in a, in a respectful and deferential way, and then you're, you're actually met with resistance. We have to talk about that as a community, like where do you go from there? Because from my understanding, you know, the people who challenged or who had expressed concerns with the way things were being handled and managed, they either chose not to be a part of the program or they were cut. And I think that says a lot about what the leadership of this organization is really about. I think it's telling in terms of whether they truly value diversity and inclusion or not. I'm just going to leave it there, pause for the cause, read some comments. Um, I think with teams becoming more technical, we are going to see less and less diversity. Technical training can be so expensive and years and years of training that not everyone has access to. That is the next comment that we are going to get into. Someone said it was a tough time to be a black woman in NFL cheerleading. Um, No one is advocating for us in these spaces. Yes. Okay. So that was on my little list here in terms of access. So I, we talked about it during cheer chat last week that I see this movement in the pro cheer space of going in this like competitive cheer, competitive dance. Like I didn't grow up in that. So I don't know if I'm even calling it the right things, but just this studio training, competitive cheer, competitive dance, whatever you call that whole space where I know when I look at college dance teams, college cheerleading teams, especially in terms of those competitions, it is not diverse, like at all on any level, like whatsoever. So <laughs> it's it's troubling. And when you think about, um, I was on a couple of different panels talking about representation. I think Aurora Tights had hosted one and then you guys can find that whole spiel on the website and the media section, but it was a great panel discussion, but it was a a woman who is a former NBA dancer. Um, She has her own studio. Um, She has her own daughters who are in dance. And she was speaking to just the, it's just horrific that there's not any representation in terms of the judging panels in this space, like for these competitions in the studios because of how expensive it is. Like there's just a lack of representation and so many mis like just mismanaged teams in terms of how they treat young girls of color that are on these teams. And so here we are going to just have this ecosystem, right, where that problem of lack of diversity is going to follow all the way through where these dancers' lives will take them. You know, high school teams, college teams, pro teams, it's going to be the same issue. Also, as a person of color, it would deter me from trying out if I notice a lack of diversity that may affect, you know, the people of color turning out if it's noticeable that they don't favor that as their look. That is so true. Because, I mean, that's like the whole point of representation, right? Like when I was auditioning for the Seahawks for the four times before I made it, they had one black cheerleader on the team. One. And every time I auditioned and made it to finals, I'm like, is there a rule that there could only be one of us? Like, can you just pick two? Is that like against the law? Like, what are we doing? Um, It was really frustrating. 
And it is true that you are attracted to teens that look like they value diversity, where you see women of natural hairstyles or different things that make you think, okay, they'll let me be me. You know, you see people who maybe don't have technical training and yet they're able to show their talent because it does impact how motivated you feel and with whether you really have a place on that team. And so representation absolutely matters. And I think somebody's agreeing, like, this has affected me all my life. And I think when you don't see people who look like you, you don't really know what's possible. You question yourself. You you just don't know if you're what they're looking for. And I think that's an easy solve by just spreading the love around. And I do want to get back to the point of, like, access because... If for all of you guys who've done, you know, competitive or core studio trained, I don't know, y'all tell me how much these classes are, what you're investing, you know, how much your family had to sacrifice to keep you in those programs so that you were able to build that technique. It's a level of, it's an economic disparity, let's just be real, of who can afford those types of classes. And so if you are not able to train in that way and, you know, there's this perception that you're not as talented it's just moving in a direction that I think is just problematic in our space because when I think approach here, and you guys let me know if you have a different perception of it, but the beauty of it is that we were all grown women and now men, right? So there wasn't this sense of like, we looked really close to the college teams or the high school teams that we had a whole different style that to me spoke to mature grownups and also just the fact that there were so many people, like when you think about so many people that I've interviewed, you guys, directors, everybody's saying, I've not actually technically trained. Like I made it, okay, what is Seattle doing? It's raining and it's beating up on my window. <laughs> okay, calm down. But it's, it was amazing to hear so many people say that they did not actually have technical training, that that's not how they got their start in pro dance. And I'm talking to like some really, really dope people. So to have that shift to where it's almost like you have to have all of this technical training in order to make a team. I think that says something, right? But it didn't used to be the case. And it's not to say that the technique and the talent wasn't there back then or whatever. I think that's just not at all accurate. But this movement towards let's only focus on technical training. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what I saw, to be frank, what I saw showcased in the in the Colts audition. And I'm not knocking these people for their talent or what have you, but it's really it's just limiting. All right, so let me go back here. People are just kind of talking about like an unspoken kind of quota of how many people of color they can have at one time. Um, somebody commented, honestly, that's why the Redskins or Washington football team felt like such a loss because they embraced diversity. We all saw ourselves in that team. It was a punch in the gut to dancers of color. Yes, because the Washington football team cheerleaders were the, they were the ones who topped the survey. They had the highest percentage of diversity. I think you saw such a wide variety of races represented. I mean, that was a very beautiful and strong statement of what that team was about. And I think they had somebody that spoke to everybody and that was just so beautiful. And yes, it was a punch in the gut. We'll have to see what the new squad that they announced who's on it and what that looks like if they've managed to keep any aspect of the first ladies of football. I'm hoping diversity is not something that gets lost by the wayside. Somebody said four max, but give them 12 blondes, no shade. That is what it looks like on the teams. Yeah. And I, I know we kind of talked about that on the diversity episode that nobody has anything to say when it's like, 12 to 15 of the same, not to say that everybody looks the same, that's terrible, it sounds terrible, but 
there's no marker on like, well, that's too much or we have too many blondes. It's just really ridiculous. And I talk about also in this diversity letter, you guys remember that I did that last summer. Feel free to go back and look at that as well. But just I, I gave some very pointed feedback to directors and teams in terms of the way that they go about selecting them and just really making the point that apply the same rigor. Like if you're going to pit two Asian women in finals and we comparing them against one another to see who we should take, well, do you do the same thing to two blondes or do you do the same thing to two brunettes? Like probably not. So there's just things that you should be conscious of. And I'm going to just point you guys again to the diversity episode and to the open letter that I wrote about diversity and representation in our space, because it touches on a lot of this. And I don't want to make like a three hour episode this week, but I really do think we need to keep this conversation. And I do think we need to talk about opening up the survey again. Um, Someone said there's a way to showcase each dancer's skill set and still be a strong team as a whole. Completely agree. Um, Let's talk about the directors who are directing nowadays aren't even former pro cheerleaders. Oh, whoa. Okay. The directors who are directing nowadays aren't even former pro cheerleaders. Uh, That's the problem. They don't even know what pro cheer is. I mean, that's a whole nother issue of representation. Like, you guys know how these roles are filled. I mean, is it fair? Probably absolutely not. Is it somebody who knows somebody, especially if you don't have experience? Like, I don't know how you're getting the job, but I don't... I don't know if they are making an effort even in terms of having, you know, diverse representation at the coaching level. I would guess absolutely not. But that is a lot of, I would say, a big part of the issue as well is just like it's leadership. It's top down and you just have to have the right mindset. We're in a day and age where this old stuff is not going to fly anymore in terms of just like this one note wonder. We are a very diverse group and community, very, very talented, and there's just no excuse. There never was, but we're really not having it anymore. So that's just that. Uh, somebody said the super technical stuff is confusing for football. How many turns in all a second can you do on turf? You guys, like, I mean, I'm just going to drink on that for that point because... We're in Seattle. Look at this rain. This is what we could very well be dancing in on any given freaking Sunday. We're talking about slippery behind turf. You can barely do a double turn in our high heel boots that we had, as a matter of fact, in the slippery rain. And then you got rain gear on that's all super heavy and constricting. It's freaking cold. You're just, I mean, you're a professional. You do it. You try to make it happen. But the point is we're at football games. It's not a basketball court. Okay. And so a lot of these super technical, tricky moves. Number one, I've been to games and they look like, I mean, I remember this week, last week I was doing a lot of hand motions and nobody can see. But the point is, it looks like a bunch of stick figures doing a bunch of random flailing their arm. It doesn't look like what you think it looks like. I mean, unless you're seeing it on the big screen, it looks crazy from the 300 level, from the 200 level. Like, I think we're just losing sight of how to showcase the talent that's on teams and If you're not using like the field in a certain way or formations or visuals for NFL style dancing, in my opinion, this is my opinion, y'all, but where it's not about like how complicated a move is, but just how visually stimulating it is to watch. Because, you know, the average football fan doesn't know one trick from the other trick. And frankly, when you're packing so much into a minute and a half routine, it just ends up looking spastic and kind of crazy. And um, it's not even going to be necessarily executed super well if you're in an open air stadium okay i'm done with that rant but thank you for bringing that up um somebody said i think it's misplaced and belongs on the basketball courts i agree 
frankly. And, you know, there's just room for variation as well. I mean, super technical routines over and over again. Like it doesn't, eh, is it entertaining? I don't know. I don't know. Not all the time. Okay, now I'm going to sound negative, Nancy. But just in watching the um, the Colts audition, again, highly technical dancers. They looked together. It looked great. But I wasn't always entertained in terms of, and this isn't a choreography thing. It's just, it's like I get it. But like, give me something else. Like it's just... It starts to all look the same and I and it's sad because even I appreciate dance and I appreciate technique, but I just feel like in terms of the entertainment factor, sometimes it gets a little lost. And maybe that's how we got on this whole tangent where people are putting together these circuses and stuff and calling them an entertainment team because they think that they're kind of bored with the highly technical stuff and they want to see a, a whole lot more stuff going on, flipping and juggling, whatever else they want these people to do on these entertainment teams. But there's just a, like, what was wrong with what we were doing? That's all I want to know. Like, what was so wrong with, like, what I think of when I think of NFL style cheerleading and dancing? I thought it was dope the way it was. I don't know if I love the direction that it's going. We are so off topic about diversity, but we're going to keep it pushing. And I really do have one more point that I want to make. Technical dancing doesn't always translate on the field. NFL style looks great and classic for a reason. Agreed. Uh, What are your thoughts of audition groups being put together based on hair colors? Hmm. Um, yeah. So I just never really think hair colors should really be something that they're looking at, frankly. Like, I mean, if I were doing audition groups, maybe it would be good in terms of being based on height. And matter of fact, I think the Seahawks used to do that. Like the groups were more or less in final auditions were based on height for the group. So you would have kind of like a taller group. Um, You know, we also had kick lines and things like that. So having people who are of similar stature, I think, helped the judges basically kind of evaluate everybody on the same somewhat footing. But I don't think it was based on hair color. I think I would more or less move in that direction of maybe just based on the squads and the groups that you probably would see on the field, like who stands out in that group. And that's probably how I would do it. If it was based on hair color, I think that's just missing the mark, if you will. I'm going to do a YouTube comment here. Uh, Very true. Doing kicks, turns, and look cute um, when it's (laughs) 30 degrees, wearing five layers with a smile, unlimited space. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot to do all of these tricks and whatnot. I mean, when you think of even the Chiefs, like they are are outside as well. I know they kind of have a covered area that they were dancing in, but you know, it gets cold out there. So it's just like, you know, you could be dancing in the snow, the Patriots, different teams come to mind. And you're you're literally just trying to stay warm and look decent and keep moving. And I think you can dance and you could do your best to do these things. But when we talk about injuries and things like that as well, when you're stiff and cold and you're pulling these crazy moves off, I just think like, what are we really doing? Like, what are we what are we really doing is the bottom line. Let's see. I always thought NBA is more technical because you can do more on the court than on the turf for NFL. Exactly. They're choreographing for stage, not the field. Agreed. Yes. Crowds love a good hair whip ripple. Like the ripples and just, I mean, there were certain things, I think, like I said, that looked great on the field. It looked impressive when you have like a a squad of 36 or 40 people and they're stretched out along the field and you're doing ripples and there's just a you know, the kicks, like the crowd loves that stuff. Like it's just a classic NFL thing. People are just saying, I miss the old NFL style. 
it looks like there's a lot of DBCs on the chat. So I'll welcome everybody. Congratulations to the Denver Bronco cheerleaders who are in the building, in the building, in this session with us. I'm happy that you're here. Um, I'm definitely going to make sure that, like I said, I try to track comments in case you guys want to jump in. And I know we're all over the place. I'm going to bring us back home to talking about diversity. Somebody says the more technical teams go the less welcome people feel to try out. You don't have to have technique to be a great NFL dancer. As someone who isn't technical, I always think about this. And you guys, there's so many, I have to say, like for my dream of becoming an NFL cheerleader, like if if I saw what, what I see displayed today on these teams, I absolutely would have felt intimidated. Would I have tried to go to some audition prep classes and learn stuff? Absolutely, but it would have definitely felt intimidating in the sense that this isn't about let us into this, and when I say us, people of color, let us into pro cheer and dance so we don't have to be as talented or, you know, having the right skill level. That's not it. Some of these things are absolutely, when you think about the actual choreography that you'll be doing on the field and what it takes for all the other aspects of being an NFL cheerleader, right? We're not just talking about dance. That's the main freaking reason because it's more than just dance to be a professional cheerleader. So you should be looking in a very well-rounded way at these candidates and not just kind of like, not just dance, that's most important. But I do think there's just this feeling of inclusion that won't really touch you if they keep pushing this whole technique down people's throats. And I hear it so many times, like I said, from directors that I've been shocked by, like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Like you aren't trained? Like Sabrina from Warrior, she's not, she does not have technical training as her background. She started dancing like in high school for her high school cheerleading team. There's so many people that I've interviewed as part of this podcast who have that similar background and that commonality. um, And they've been able to have very, very thriving careers, both as a dancer and as a coach. So we really do need to think about like where this is going and just the impact of moving in that direction and how that's going to affect people wanting to audition, feeling comfortable. And one person raised the question and oh good, I'm almost at the end. Let's see. Anyone who can get a dye job and that further limits people of color who have less flexibility to maintain a natural glam look with different hair colors. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this point is definitely just true that we're, we're, you know, getting caught up in like hair color again as a guide of diversity, I think will just lead you down the wrong path in general. You know what I mean? Like the look can be elevated in different ways that is really in the best interest of that dancer based on their look, their texture. There's so many things that go into that. And again, I don't think we're looking for aesthetically pleasing in terms of hair color. Like we don't need to make sure we have a redhead and we don't need to have somebody with, you know, pink hair and, you know, a certain number of blondes, a certain number of brunettes, like just expanding the mindset of like what diversity really is about because no no other space is diversity really a discussion where hair color would come up. Like if you think about it, so we're way the hell off. It's good we're talking about it, but I'm just saying if that's the mindset that directors have. I mean, and I know that we used to fill promos based on like um, short, tall for picture's sake, um, you know, having a group of people at a promo so that you didn't have one short girl, one tall girl as best you can. I know in pictures sometimes, obviously you're spaced out based on spreading out the love so that there's just not too many hair colors in a row, but that's probably the extent of it, right? Nothing where you're actually picking a squad based on that criteria. That's just kind of like, like I said, just missing the mark. And somebody said, which is why diversity on the judging panel is very, very important. Somebody says, but then you go, you audition, you are better, and you cut to a blonde, even when you know you're better. (sighs) 
yeah, there's a lot of great dancers who aren't good teammates or good ambassadors for the organization. It's about the whole package. And somebody said, I can say I do love the inclusion of different styles for African-American hair, froze, braids, like the whole gamut. And that's, again, it's just representation, right? Being on a team and being allowed to be who you are. It's not just getting you on the team. It's allowing you to make you feel comfortable to represent yourself in your best light. And that does not mean, okay, now you need to go and do some makeover and get hair down to your back or, you know, just changing who you are. You really want to be your authentic self. You want to be part of an organization that recognizes who you are, that sees your beauty. I remember seeing, like in the pictures, there was a Denver Broncos cheerleader finalist, beautiful curly fro. She was freaking gorgeous. I got so excited. I don't know how she dances. Of course, you don't see that kind of footage, but I was just excited to see something new, different. I thought she was gorgeous. And Again, when you see unique faces, that's what draw you in. And it's just, it's beautiful. There's going to be some little girl who looks just like her who's going to say, oh my gosh, she looks like me. If she can do it, I can do it. And that's the connection that you want to make. Like, everybody should have somebody that they're able to identify with. Obviously, your look, your race, I mean, it kind of, that's an automatic way of connecting with people. And it just goes so far. I think we can all speak to someone that we saw that inspired us to take this path. And that's just very important to have that representation because you are inspiring people to move in this direction. Oh my God. Somebody said, you shouldn't have to choose between keeping your edges and cheering. Oh my gosh. On that note, I'm going to take another drink. Um, Yes, let's stop damaging people's hair, you guys, just for that look. There's a hair episode for that. You could talk about that and look that up. The last point I want to make on this, you guys, somebody raised the question of, you know, if teams start pushing for like more diversity to the point where someone makes it, someone who of color basically makes it over somebody with more talent just so they can be diverse, like, is that the direction that we're going? And kind of like wanting just to open that conversation up. And obviously this question comes up a lot, even when you think about like college admissions and diversity and inclusion, where people think, oh, well, if we open it up to, you know, admitting students of color, then there's this automatic assumption that that means that it's going to dilute the quality, um, that the skill level is not going to be there. They won't be as smart. They won't be as talented, et cetera, et cetera. And I just kind of want to point out the danger in that mentality, right? Because what you're saying indirectly is just that having a less diverse squad is the only way to have the right talent and skill level. I mean, it's kind of implied that white people are the only ones that can have that talent and skill level and not have it questioned. And that by kind of including others, that somehow you're going to bring down the skill level And that's a very weighted value judgment, in my opinion, you know, that you would think that that's an automatic effect of having a more diverse team is that they're not going to be as talented or that they would take the spot of somebody who's more talented. And I just want to caution everybody from going down that path to the extent I can. Everybody thinks for themselves, blah, blah, blah. This is my opinion, Makiba, Lesher, Pate. I'm not trying to speak for anybody else. But I know just my entire life, you know, as a student at Georgetown University, when people have the mentality that I got there because of affirmative action, this is when affirmative action kind of was first kicking in, and that I wouldn't have gotten there on my own merit, that's some utter bullshit. And 
you know, I had friends that were athletes on the teams and that mentality that you're not smart enough to be here and that your presence automatically dilutes like the skill and the, the intelligence of the students at that school. And that's just a very, very, very problematic way of looking at the world. One way of looking at diversity and inclusion, obviously, is just how these teams would be enriched by having diverse people on the team. And again, thinking of the entire like well-rounded nature of what it takes to be a professional cheerleader, it is not just based on skill and dance. I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, just well-rounded ambassadors, and I'm not knocking anybody in their profession, but you got to look at the whole package for these people. I mean, you have people that have stellar careers or that would be really, really effective out in the community that have done so many things to touch your actual fan base. And there's certain things that should be taken into consideration. Hello, what about like you make the team, you're practicing, you know, and you can highlight things that you want them to actually like focus on. You can provide some training, some assistance or point them in the right direction. Like I really need you to pick up this skill because whatever, I'll give you some time to do it. There's ways of prioritizing what you're looking for. And I I mean, I really struggle with this notion that by having a more diverse team, that the number one fear, I guess, that's triggered is that, well, people won't be as talented. Or you even think that just because somebody's not trained that they're not as talented. And that's just not true either. So we really just have to kind of like challenge our way of, of thinking. And I was really glad that this person, you know, raised the question because it is something that I think a lot of people think about or or are you know concerned about and it's it touches so many topics when you talk about immigration and like if we let them in you know are they going to take a job and that I could get and it's just you know it's all relative and I think again that line of thinking has this understatement of there's just an automatic thing that if you're white that you're going to bring all that shit to the table and I just know from watching so many auditions and I'll catch up with your comments in a minute that that's just being white and being trained is not equal. You automatically kind of meet the mark of what it takes to be a professional cheerleader, a good one. You, you know, you still got to be well-spoken. You still have to have so many other traits and attributes as a professional. And so if you're only looking at dance directors, whoever's listening, don't just say that, oh, we want this well-rounded person. If you're really going to focus on technique as a determinant of who would make these teams and think about just again the lasting impacts of the lack of access to training and i i'm i just want to say again it's audition season and i just want to give kudos to everybody who is not trained who are spending their hard-earned money on these audition prep programs trying to pick up these skills things that you think you need to know in order to represent in a very good way what it means to be a professional cheerleader i think please don't get discouraged Um, When you see these highly technical auditions, I applaud you for just trying to apply yourself to picking those things up and learning because we can all learn and grow as dancers, right? So I see the effort there and I don't want people getting turned off to going out for these teams because of this heavy emphasis on technique. But it all is related, as you can hear. I mean, we touched on a million damn topics, hair color, all kinds of things, but it's all interconnected and it all impacts the level of diversity and inclusion on these teams. Oh, there's so many things because we can talk about like picking us for teams, but then when we're on the teams, how are we treated? And that's another, go back to the diversity episode because again, I know we talked about it, but 
you know, you don't want this tokenism where you're on the team. Anytime they need somebody up in a certain community, they pluck you and they want to stick you out there. It's like, hey, we're diverse. We have like one black cheerleader and you're out there doing every damn thing that's got to do with black people in terms of events in the community. And you do it because you're proud and you do it because it, you know it matters to, for people to see that you're on the team and you're out there. I mean, I know I did as many promos as I possibly could in that respect, but there is this sense of kind of being used by the organization. And I, I do want to acknowledge that too, because for, especially when you're like one of the few, you have that feeling sometimes of like, damn, y'all just kind of using me out here as kind of like the token person. And depending on how you feel as part of that larger team or sense of community and like again how the directors actually lead the team you know when you have that vibe of like I'm just kind of like meeting this quota and I don't sense that there's like a real commitment because that's what inclusion's about like diversity is like representation when you get to inclusion it's like once you attract them there how are they treated are they treated in a way that's fair are you uh, responsive to concerns that come up for those people of color that are on your team. And again, Denver Broncos, I'm aware that, I'm sorry, the response of leadership does not seem to be, and not just, I'm not talking about the coach per se, I'm talking about up the chain where the conversations tried to go to elevate, to raise some issues that just fell flat. And I think that says a lot about how people of color would feel being a part of a team like that. And I think that you're, you know, Denver Broncos is probably not the only team. If you listen to the episode, shit, where we interviewed um, black cheerleaders for that episode. God, I'm terrible about my episode titles today. But um, people were just talking about their experiences and how they were treated when they're on these teams. So you guys, there a lot of this has been discussed. I think the conversation can keep going and keep going. And I think it's healthy to have these conversations because... Ultimately, you know, don't pick one or pick two and then isolate them or not be responsive again to the concerns that they might have um, being on the team. You just got to do better and look at the freaking open letter because there's a whole bulleted list of things that directors and teams both talking to the dancers as well as the front office, as well as the directors about ways that they can improve diversity and inclusion on their team. So I'm going to read some more comments and then wrap up your chat before it's a three hour episode, but I appreciate you guys um, commenting. I'm going to get to YouTube as well. Somebody said we can't keep being accessories in NFL cheerleading when we are nearly 70% in the NFL. And this is speaking of the players, obviously. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard players talk crap about it, but they, they notice it as well. I mean, they know that the teams are like predominantly black and then they're like, where are all the damn black cheerleaders at? If you go on promos and, that was something that I would hear often. And I'm like, yeah, there's like two of us or it got a little better. There were four of us at one point, five of us, I think at one point. But yeah, it can be far, far better, um, period. We are tolerated, not embraced. And that's not how it should be. It's almost like we are obligatory, not desired. Mm. If the players can get trainers, why can't cheerleaders also get trainers to improve? And this is speaking to the technique piece. That's a great question, I think. There's resources that you can make. And this is the point that I see. Here we go. One of the things when I was with the Seahawks, I tried to say, you know, when you hold audition clinics, it's great to do it like leading up to auditions and leaving it open to, you know, kind of whoever's already in the no one pro cheer auditions and whatnot. 
but I started to see that the Seahawks were doing some outreach to certain, to the colleges in the area. And knowing that you could be 18, 19 years old, I was like, well, are we doing anything at some of the high schools in the area? Like that have a more of a diverse student population? Like technically they can audition for the team. They have cheerleading teams. They have dance teams. Like what are we doing to kind of sow those seeds earlier? Like, hey, we're looking for you. You can actually do this. And I just remember like offering, like I'll go, like if you need somebody to go. And it was just, there's ways of outreach. It's community outreach, right? And what you're saying by going into different communities, showing them what you're looking for, pointing them in the right direction of resources. Like if this is something that you want to do, you know, you'll need to get this technique, this technique, like really work on this, that, and the third as part of that clinic in the community. Like that would go so far of planting a seed in these dancers of knowing what the standard is, what they need to work on, just seeing that it's possible. And that is something I feel like when I think of the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders and like some of their dance um, events that they held where they really reached deep into like the colleges as well as I don't know if it was like high schools, but again, different programs just to show that we're all connected. And that I think if you make an effort to to just have some outreach with different communities of color, I think it can go a long way and who shows up to your auditions, how prepared they are when they show up. And you're just really setting people up for success. Let's see. I think what might have happened in the comments, you guys, is just somebody was saying that like the fairness in terms of like getting the benefits that the rest of the cheerleaders get. Um, and it is mandatory. Somebody's pointing out in terms of like if they provide a certain service that only white people are able to benefit from and you're a person of color on a team, they actually have to make accommodations for you in order for it to be fair and equitable. And I think that was what somebody was speaking to. So anyway, somebody said, especially more technical dancers, more injury risk needs injury prevention, just like the players. Professional means we should be treated as such. And don't talk to me about the hair sponsors. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just reading these because for the benefit of people who are listening to the podcast, somebody says we make the team and then we continue to go harder and harder to prove we belong. Yeah, because people you're working against, again, that understanding that people have that you're not good enough, which is, you don't question everybody's talent in that way. It's just when you have somebody stark that's able to, you know, that's clearly a person of color that maybe didn't have the dance training, you're kind of like under this microscope of like, do you have what it takes? And it's just a disheartening situation and the people need to kind of do better. So they were just saying like for the people who are the very few that have made the team um, for the Broncos or just other teams too, I'm not you know, I'm still waiting on all these rosters to come out. But when you, it's like when you hear your numbers called and like you're watching all these people jump up and and celebrate and making the team. I, I mean, I'll never forget that feeling of like, you're just looking around like who else made it? And then, you know, when you realize that you're just, there's two of you. I mean, that was my first year on the team with the Seahawks. You know, it is kind of like a damn, you know, like it's so, I just like seeing representation especially when you see people who are really good and they don't make it that's even more of a slap in the face there's always that moment when you're reminded you're the minority it would also be cool to see more diversity in the leadership i.e the captains yeah that part too yes i mean it goes from top down and uh, again just whoever the leader of the team is you start to see certain themes. You see who's selected for Pro Bowl. You see who's given those kind of opportunities. You see who's picked for um, promos. You see who's selected for captain. And then, again, in the open letter, you 
I address those types of things and thinking about how you can actually demonstrate the diversity and in the leadership roles in your formations, where you place people, like so many different things that you can actually think about when your social media posts, where you're actually being very meaningful and intentional about it. I love all these comments, you guys. I really, really appreciate um, that you're joining the conversation. Let's see. When teams have salons or makeup artists, make sure they know how to work with black hair and the right makeup to blend with their face. Yes. Yes, we talked about this, I think, in the diversity episode and for sure in the open letter in terms of ways to, you know, just have like equity in terms of the sponsorship benefits that a lot of people of color aren't always able to take advantage of. And so professional makeup artists should freaking know, but there have been times with photo shoots or game days where people just don't really know what they're doing and just have you look in a hot mess out there. And just a little effort can go a long way to actually go about it the right way, right? So I'm all here for the comments. I think we can go on and on and on about this conversation. And again, you guys, I think it's not to keep pushing episodes, but you know, a lot of this was addressed. I just would love it if people can go back and listen, respond, react to it, et cetera, just because it's not just a one and done conversation by any means. And this isn't to poo poo on you know, auditions. I'm excited for everybody who made the team. This is really not even directed at the dancers and you should be proud. You should represent well. If you are one of the two, I mean, congratulations and and hold that with pride and understanding that you are more than likely influencing a lot of people to follow in your footsteps. So I say, you know, keeping that in mind as you're on these teams. But I do think, and again, this is why I personally am trying to open this space to talk about this team because I think it's just indicative of where they really truly place the value of diversity inclusion and again this is not just one data point of this final audition picture I'm thinking of other things that have come to light about the way that this team is run that are I think just problematic I can't say that people are going to listen to this or not but you know I I mentioned it with the open letter I would love to send the open letter directly to every director and just open the dialogue to say, hey, I would love it if you take a look at this. I would love it if you listen to an episode or two where we discuss certain things and maybe there's something to gain from it that you can take into consideration in the way that you run your team. I think people are who they are and if they really don't give a shit, then they really don't give a shit. And if they can get away with that and that's just from the top down, like what flies for a particular organization, then I don't really know that there's much that people can do. If you want to be associated with that, then I guess. Or you have to make a decision if if this team is in alignment with your values and and your sense of self-worth. But I do think that like, I'm always open for the idea that there's room to learn if you don't know, to research things, to engage in conversations. And that's the best that I can do with this platform is to invite the conversation and the participants in the conversation. I think that directors could largely benefit from hearing from you guys, like some of the things that you care about when it pertains to diversity and inclusion, how you're treated on the team, what you expect when you go through this audition process. And I welcome ideas, feedback after this. If the door is always open, if you guys think that there's a way to push this conversation forward, it is not just a Denver Broncos issue. And I would love to see maybe this at like a, I don't know, NBA, NFL, and any other director level forum, open housey kind of thing where people can just gather together and maybe share some best practices, maybe hear some reactions to the open letter. I think we just have to be in the space where 
at least as dancers, that we are talking about it and that we are expecting better, that it's great that there's a reaction like, wait a minute, like, that's not cool. Like y'all flooded my DMs when (laughs) when the picture of the squad posted. So I think it's great that we are mindful of it, that we're connected to each other and recognizing the issue if we don't really see a diverse squad selected. I think that says a lot about our community and that we value it. And so I do think it's important for the leaders of these teams to know that we value it, that we are watching, that we will talk about it and that we expect better. I mean, that's kind of what I'm here for. And I don't want to fuss every freaking live, you guys. This is the truth behind the palms. I will call the truth like I see it. And I encourage people to do the same. And it's not to be negative. I, I love our space. I'm passionate about our space. And I just know that there's a better way if we all can kind of like become knowledgeable about the issues, discuss them openly, and figure shit out because there's a better way, right? So with that, I'm going to make sure I didn't miss anything else. Oh, somebody said, thanks for holding this space. You're so welcome. The space is always here. That's what it's for. I mean, I would love to take the conversations to the next level. And I just think that I'm open to suggestions for how to go about that. I think I'm going to just stick my neck out there and invite directors from both NFL, NBA, different teams to say, would you all be willing to get together, review this one page open letter and talk about ways that we can improve the situation overall. Who knows how many people will show up, but it would be an effort that's well worth it in my opinion. I just think that we're all one big fat community and we need to kind of act like it and we'll see where it goes, right? I don't have a list of all of the directors, like email addresses. Let's just say this, if you would like me to reach out to your director from your team, please DM me their information. It's nothing more than just me reaching out to that group of people and just setting a date and a time and seeing who shows up. There were a couple of directors that I talked to in the NBA that were really receptive to this idea and would promise to kind of share the spread the word and whatnot. So I think when I heard that people were freaking out about unionization that I was just like, maybe it's just not even worth the effort at the time. But I do think I'm coming back to like, let's just see what happens. And if you'd like me again to reach out to your director, then just hit me up send me the email address. It'll be a group message, nothing targeted. And if you just want to talk or vent, you guys, like you, like I said, this is a safe space. And I, I think that it's just important for you to get it out one way or the other. Got to use your voice somehow, whether you're just talking to me or talking to your other teammates. But I do think there's a sense of like, we need support to have these conversations with the organizations. I don't want to see people getting cut because they chose to be an ally and felt like they wanted to have the backs of their teammates and ringing up issues. I don't want you to be punished because you challenge the authority of whoever's in leadership. I don't want to see that happen. And I know that that's a real risk for people. And so I'm just trying to do my part to kind of help facilitate conversations that need to happen, but maybe can remove some of the, like, this was my specific issue or incidents. We have to start somewhere, right? You know, and I just care about Everybody having a great experience on these teams, a great experience even auditioning. Not everybody's going to make it. These teams are small as hell, 26 staying on people out of Lord knows how many that auditioned. So I get that not everybody will have their shot, but I think we just can be mindful of the way that we go about forming these teams. And really, you know, when you look at all the teams and their values and kind of like their vibe of what they stand for, we need to hold them to that. It's just a matter of accountability. Nobody's canceled. It's just... Let's all do better, right? So with that, I'm going to kind of 
remind you of this episode. It is called I Will Be Found, and it is featuring an awesome interview with Jen Padilla. And I'm really, really excited to share with you guys. You know, she started her podcast, Life Unfiltered, just to kind of get us out of this mindset of like who we present on social media and really just get down to the raw basics of who you are as a person. And I I listened to her first episode of her podcast and it was a very, very personal journey of her own in terms of just working through some really, really difficult times. And I just thought that she was so transparent and it was just really moving. And I, I just love all the different voices in this space. There's a lot of new podcasts that are out right now and I just think there's just so much that we can learn from one another and her putting herself out there and sharing her story as part of her first episode and just all the different things that she has to come of just the importance of mental health and like how you work on your mental health and I just think it's a great episode you guys I'm really excited to share that with you this week Um, This was a great conversation. I thank you guys for joining me. Again, the door is always open. Reach out. Let me know other topics that you want discussed. This can continue on into next week. I want to wish everybody good luck who is auditioning this weekend. You guys kill it. Just be your best self. Be unapologetic and go for it. And I just hope that these teams have it together to know greatness when they see it and not be blinded by hair color or technique to the nines or whatever like just pick a very well-rounded team people okay the representation is beautiful there's so many different talented people and i wish everybody good luck just go be yourself and be your best self and let me know what happens i I don't know i get giddy around this time of year but i'm rooting for all of you look forward to hearing from you let's keep the conversation going so when i launch the survey when you guys make these teams It'll help if you actually self-identify. I don't want to go off of pictures and trying to figure out people's racial background. Like, that's not the move. So (laughs) I'll set up the survey. I will communicate with you guys to let you know when it's up. And I'm going to probably wait until all the auditions close for that. But I do hope to see people participate in it. I'm excited to hear from you. And as always, if you have any other topics that you want to discuss for next week's Cheer Chat, then let me know. But otherwise... I'm going to let you guys go. I appreciate you all joining and sticking around and being part of this conversation. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.